This is Dr. Benny Tate, and I would like to thank you for tuning in to this week's message at Rock Springs Church. Wherever you are, I hope this message encourages you and helps you grow in your walk with God. Here's this week's message from Rock Springs Church. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 27, verse 22. This is what the Bible says. It says, Pilate said unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called the Christ? What shall I do with Jesus, which is called the Christ? They say unto him, Let him be crucified. What shall I do with Jesus? which is called the Christ. Let him be crucified. Let's pray. God, I bow my head in your presence, thanking you for even this day, tons of people spread throughout our campuses that have followed you in baptism. How we rejoice in that. I pray now, God, that you would just come, anoint these lips of clay, pinned on this pulpit, Lord of the words, I believe in the Holy Spirit, Charles Spurgeon. I believe in the Holy Spirit. And God, I do believe in the Holy Spirit. So much I know, unless God, you come, anything I will do will be vanity and vexation. So have your will and way. And for all you do, we're gonna praise you. For I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I wanna take a few moments And I want to talk to you about what are you going to do with Jesus? What are you going to do with Jesus? The highest court in Israel was the Sanhedrin court, where our Supreme Court is the highest court in America. It was the highest court in all of Israel. It was composed of 71 members. After trying Jesus, they handed Jesus over to a Roman governor by the name of Pilate. They handed him over to a Roman governor named Pilate. He had gone through six trials, three Jewish trials, three Roman trials, six trials, and then Pilate said these words, what am I to do with Jesus which is called the Christ. What am I to do with Jesus? Now here's what I want you to know. That's a question that every one of us have to ask ourselves. Every one of us have to ask ourselves, what am I going to do with Jesus, which is called the Christ? Now let me make three quick statements. First of all, it's a personal question. Now, I I noticed what Pilate did. Pilate looked at the people, folks. He looked at the people and he said, what am I to do with Jesus, which is called the Christ? He, he, He wanted to pass the decision to somebody else. But you gotta understand something. This question, what am I going to do with Christ? It's a personal question. It's a personal question. You know, sometimes when I'm, talking to people about the Lord, they'll say, well, my daddy was a great man. My mother was a bedrock in the church. 
My grandparents started the church. My family's great Christian people. And all that's wonderful. But I want you to know something. Being born in a garage doesn't make you a Ford. It matters not what family you're from. Because see, it's not by generation, it's by regeneration. So you've got to understand, this is a personal question. It's a question that every one of us today have to ask ourselves. We can't pass it to somebody else. We have to ask ourselves, what am I going to do with Jesus, which is called the Christ? But look, it's not only a personal question, but it's a pertinent question. And what I mean by the fact it's a pertinent question, why this question is so important, ladies and gentlemen, this question is going to determine where you spend eternity. This question, I mean, literally the question that I'm asking you today, what am I going to do with Jesus? It's going to determine where you're going to spend eternity. On two different occasions, we had a football coach speak here at Rock Springs. His name was Bobby Bowden. He's in heaven now. The great coach at Florida State. But I'll never forget on one occasion what Bobby Bowden said. If I live to be 100, I'll never forget this. Bobby Bowden said, it would be better had you never been born than to not be born again. It would be better that you were never born than not be born again. Because see, this is a personal question. It's a pertinent question, but it's a pressing question. It's pressing in on every one of us even right now. It's pressing in on us. Why is it pressing in on us? Because Proverbs 27 and one says, boast not thyself of tomorrow. Because James 4.14 says, what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then it vanishes away. See, understand something. Jesus was in the hands of Pilate. But a few days later, Pilate was in the hands of Jesus. You got to understand something. Jesus was standing before Pilate. But a few days later, Pilate was standing before Jesus. Here's what I want you to see. It's personal. It's pertinent. It's pressing. Now get this. Get this. There's three things that I want you to see from the story. The first thing I want you to see are the voices that confronted Pilate. Look here. Pilate encountered four voices that you're going to encounter too. Pilate encountered four voices that I encountered, that you're going to encounter. Four voices. Voice number one is the voice of reason. The voice of reason. See, the Bible says in Matthew 27, verse 18, Pilate knew why they brought Jesus to him. 
He knew it was out of envy. He knew that this Galilean rabbi was causing a commotion. He was creating a following. He was doing miracles. And in his reason, he knew the only reason they brought him to me is because they are envious of him. They are jealous of him because of his works. Ladies and gentlemen, the voice of reason will speak to us. The voice of reason says, wait, this Bible that was written by 40 different men, this Bible that was written over 1,500 years, this Bible that was written on three continents, this Bible that was written in three languages, but there's one, not one contradiction in this book. It's historically accurate. It's scientifically accurate. It's biblically accurate. Reason says, reason says that Jesus is the Son of God. When you read Psalms 22 verse 16, and Psalms gave the prophecy that Jesus would be crucified. You say, wait, pastor. That makes sense, but there's only one problem. <laughs> when that verse was written, that verse was written a hundred years before the Romans invented crucifixion. It was written a hundred years before the Romans invented crucifixion. What am I saying? Reason says he is the son of God. When I read a verse that was written 2,600 years before Christ, and that verse in Daniel 12 and 4 says, we're going to get to the time of the end, and men are going to run to and fro, and knowledge is going to be increased. And I, re and I realize from the beginning of time, from Adam to David to Julius Caesar, the means of travel was either walk <laughs> Or it was an animal. It was horseback. It was carriage. That was our travel. But the Bible says at the time of the end, wait. Men's going to run to and fro. And knowledge shall be increased. Men's going to run to and fro. And knowledge shall be increased. What happened, Pastor? I'll tell you what happened. Automobiles, planes, trains. Men started running to and fro because knowledge was increased. Here's all I'm saying to you. The voice of reason says to you that Jesus is the Son of God. But wait. Not only the voice of reason will say to you that Jesus is the Son of God, but the voice of conscience will say to you that Jesus is the Son of God. What, what, what is your conscience? You say, well, that's my, my conscience. What, what is your conscience? Let me tell you what your conscience is. It's the ability to perceive what is right and what is wrong. The ability to perceive what is right and what is wrong. Look what Pilate said. He said, wait, 
I find no fault in him. I find no fault in him. What happened, ladies and gentlemen? I'll, have, I'll tell you what happened. Reason spoke to him, but his conscience spoke to him. The voice of conscience, and the voice of conscience, ladies and gentlemen, will speak to you. Not only the voice of reason, not only the voice of conscience, but the voice of a loved one. Pilate's wife said to him, here's all I'm gonna say. Men, this is Benny Tate. When you don't listen to your wife, you miss 50% of what God's trying to say to you. I thought the women would go, glory be to God. She said, Pilate, don't do him any harm. She said, Pilate, I had a dream. This is a good man. I had a dream. Look here. God will use the voice of loved ones to speak to you. It may be a mama. It may be a daddy that's constantly trying to say, you ought to do this, you ought to do this, you ought to do this. Even when you get angry with them, it's the voice of a loved one that God is using to try to speak to you. Even when you get frustrated with them, it's the voice of a loved one that God is trying to use to speak to you. Let me tell you a fourth way that God speaks. It's the voice of God. It's the voice of God. See, 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 let me, let, let me explain. In Matthew 27, verse 11, they asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? And look what he said. Thou sayest. I don't know if Pilate realized it, folks, but God was speaking to him. God was speaking to him. Not long ago, I was traveling with a man and we came to a place and I said, stop right there. Stop right there. Take, take my picture. He said, Pastor Benny, what's this about? I said, you've heard the story many times about one night about midnight that I knelt beside a couch in my home and gave my life to Christ. What I don't tell many times is I went to church that morning. I went to Wesley Chapel Church and I sat on the back row. I sat on the back row and God spoke to me. And God spoke to me. And God spoke to me. And ladies and gentlemen, I said no. But that didn't change the fact that God spoke to me. It doesn't change the fact that God dealt with my heart. And ladies and gentlemen, some of you today, you're saying, I feel so uncomfortable. Some of you are saying today, Pastor, I, I feel like a ham sandwich at a Jewish picnic. Let me tell you what, God is speaking to you. The voices that confronted Pilate. But I want you to see something else. Not only the voices that confronted Pilate, but I want you to see the values that controlled Pilate. What, what controlled this man? I think he had three values. Value number one was public opinion. 
What should I do? He was controlled by public opinion. Get this. You ever notice how happy everybody is on Facebook? <laughs> See, what I've learned about a lot of people, image means more to them than reality. Image means more than reality. As long as the image comes across well, the reality really doesn't matter. And Pilate, literally, he stood firm. He stood firm on both sides of the issue. He put his finger in the wind to determine where he stood. His favorite color was plaid. Because he was guided by public opinion. It reminds me of the story of the older pastor who was teaching the young pastor, his mentee, how to counsel people and how to, how to handle people with marriage problems. Heard about a guy the other day that said he's divorcing his wife. He said uh, he was divorcing his wife. And his friend said, well, why would you want to do that? He said, because she hadn't spoken to me in two months. And his friend said, I'd take it slow. A woman like that's hard to find. <laughs> Some of you are laughing too much, amen. The pastor said, just notice how I handle things. And a lady came in and she began to talk about how horrible her husband was. And the pastor said, you're so right. You're so right. You're so right. And then she goes out and the man comes in and he tells how horrible the wife is. And he says, you're so right. You're so right. And the young mentee said, I'm as confused as a termite in a yo-yo. The husband, you, you said, you're so right. The wife, you're so right. I'm confused. And the pastor looked at the young man. He said, you're so right. You're so right. He was controlled by public opinion. But what I've learned, if you please God, it doesn't matter who you don't please. But if you don't please God, it doesn't matter who you do please. And then there was a second thing that controlled him. Not only public opinion, but his position. He had a cushy position. He, was, he wanted to please the emperor Caesar. Not only was he controlled by public opinion, not only was he controlled by position, but wait. He was controlled by pride. Because let me explain something. He had the authority to release Jesus. He had the authority to release Jesus. But get this. He said, I find no fault in him. What did he do, ladies and gentlemen? He tipped his hat to Jesus, but he didn't bow his knee to Jesus. He tipped his hat, but he wouldn't bow his knee. See, the voices that confronted Pilate, the values that controlled Pilate, but I want to see this. 
I want you to see the verdict that condemned Pilate. The verdict that condemned Pilate. At the feast of, feast of the Passover, according to Mark 15 and 6, the governor, the Roman governor, could release one prisoner. I was researching that this week. They brought Jesus out after, in, according to John 19, they brought Jesus out after they had scourged him. Now wait. You say, Pastor, they took a whip and they gave him 40 stripes. No, you got to understand something. It was a whip, but it had nine pieces of leather on the whip. In the ends of the leather, they had pieces of steel, pieces of metal, pieces of glass, pieces of rock. So when they scourged Jesus, 40 stripes, 360 indentions went into his body. So not 40 stripes, but 360 indentions into his body. Before this, they took a crown of thorns. It had poisonous thorns. They took that crown and they beat it down into his head. The Bible says they smote him in the face. Now here stands Jesus, ladies and gentlemen. And the Bible says you could not tell if he was even a human. He stood there. You could not tell that he was a human. On this side, there stood a man by the name of Barabbas. The Bible tells us that he was an insurrectionist and he was a murderer. You've got Jesus here. You've got Barabbas here. And Pilate says, I've got to let one of these men go. Who do I set free? And the people cry out, Barabbas. Let Barabbas go free. Let Barabbas go free. Then you've got Jesus. Marred beyond comprehension. And he said, what about him? And they cried out, crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. And the cloakalism that we say, you've said it, I've said it. I'm going to wash my hands of it. I'm done. I'm going to wash my hands. That goes back to Pilate because Pilate walks over to a basin of water and he washes his hands. He said, I'm washing my hands of Jesus. But look, folks, he washed his hands, but he couldn't get the blood off his hands. He couldn't get the blood off his hands even though he had washed his hands. But get this. I never had any desire in my life to be a preacher. You said, Pastor Benny, why, why, do you, why have you given your life to this? Because God called me to this. But let me give clarity. I'm not superior to anybody. I'm not superior to anybody. 
because this is what I know. God called you and God called you and God called you and God called you and God called you because God's got a calling on every person's life. God's got a calling on every person's life. God's got a special calling and a special purpose. The, 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 listen, folks, you don't understand. Somebody said, well, pastor, I was born and then God had a purpose for me. No, 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 you don't understand. God had a purpose for you. That's why you were born. That's why you were born, to do the purpose that God wants for your life. I never made plans to preach. Ask my mother. Mom, has anybody ever been in the pulpit in our family? No. Prison, yes. Pulpit, no. Still to this day, nobody. Nobody. My desire wasn't to be a preacher. My desire, I wanted to hopefully work through school and get an education, one day be a lawyer. I didn't want to save them. I wanted to sue them. And I thought about this. I thought about this injustice. I started thinking like a lawyer. And I thought, this is so bogus. Let me tell you why it was bogus, folks. He was arrested illegally. There was no warrant. There was no charges. Let me, let me tell you why it was bogus. He had six trials. They were all at night. According to the Roman and Jewish law, you could not try somebody at night for a crime. Let me tell you the third reason why it was bogus. He got a capital punishment sentence. He was sentenced to death. It was against the Roman and Jewish law to sentence a person to death in one day. Let me tell you why it was bogus. He had no legal representation. He had no legal representation. This was a, a bogus trial. And I was thinking, here's what I'm going to do. When I go to church Sunday at Rock Springs... I thought, I'm going to retry Jesus. I think it would be fair to give Jesus another trial. And I thought, I'll be my best as a lawyer. I'll do my best to represent Jesus. I'll be his defense. I'll, I'll dress up like Ben Madlock. I'll dress up like Ben Madlock, and I'll do my best to represent Jesus. And what I'll do, I'll call witnesses to the stand. I'll call John the Baptist to the stand. And if I called John the Baptist, I would say to John the Baptist, John the Baptist, what do you think of Jesus? What do you think of this man, Jesus Christ? And I'll tell you what John would say. John would say, John 1 and 29, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. But not only would I call John, I would say, Peter, the big fisherman, you spent three and a half years of your life with him. You were the leader of the apostles. You spent three and a half years of your life with Jesus. What do you say about Jesus Christ? And that big fisherman would say in Matthew 16 and 6, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
I would not only call the big fisherman, I would call the greatest Christian who ever lived other than Jesus. I would call the great apostle Paul, the greatest Christian ever lived. And I'd say, Paul, what do you think of Jesus? And Paul would say in Colossians 1 and 15, he's the image of the invisible God. He's the image of the invisible God. But being a good lawyer, I would say, wait, I, this can't be just all males. I want to reach out to a lady. I want to reach out to a lady that's been married five times. And when she encountered Jesus Christ, she was shacked up with an old boy. They weren't married. She'd been married five times. She was living with an old boy. And I would say to that lady, would you get on the stand? And then I would say to that lady that had been married five times, living with a man, had an experience with Jesus, tell me about Jesus. And she would say these words, come see a man which told me all things that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? But I'll tell you what, I'd be a good lawyer. And I'd say, wait, no, no, we got we to gotta cross-examine some people. I would I would cross-examine some people, and I would call a centurion to the stand, and I would say, now, let's talk just a little bit. You were there. You were a part of nailing Jesus to the cross. You helped put the nails into his hands. You were there for the six hours that he hung on this cross. Now, you was there. You, you nailed him to the cross. You was there at the conclusion of the cross. Near the conclusion of the cross, you saw the veil of the temple rent in two from top to bottom. You was there. You heard the earthquake. You heard. You was there. You were a part. You heard the earthquake. I'd say not only did you see the veil of the temple, you saw when the earthquake, you saw Old Testament saints literally get up out of graves and start walking around. You saw it. Now listen, I've got to say, tell me what you think of Jesus. And this is what he would say. Truly, he was the Son of God. The ultimate betrayer, I'm going to call him, I'm going to call Judas, the ultimate betrayer, the man who betrayed him, who kissed the door to heaven and went to hell, who, who betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver, who said the money and things of this world mean more than Jesus. You betrayed him. But after you betrayed him, tell me what you think of Jesus. And Judas would say, I betrayed innocent blood. He was innocent. He was innocent. He was the Son of God. I wish Ben Madlock could watch because I'd say, Ben, I'm going to do something you never did. I'm going to call somebody to the stand from another world. He'd say, you're kidding. I'd say, no, Ben. I'm going to call a demon to the stand. You mean you're going to cross-examine a demon? Yes, I am. 
And I'll call a demon to the stand and I'll say to that demon. And there was in the synagogue a man with a demon, unclean spirit. And he cried out saying, let us alone for we have nothing to do with Jesus of Nazareth. Art thou come to destroy us? And then I'd get up real close and I'd say, wait, demon, what do you really think of Jesus? And he would say, I know he is the Holy One of God. But before I rested, I would say, wait, I need to call some modern day witnesses. All these have been from days gone by, but I'm gonna call some modern day witnesses. I, I wanna call a lady that I met quite some time ago. Her name was Lisa Hensley. And I would look Lisa into the face and I would say to Lisa, you tell me what you think of Jesus. 16 years ago, I was a homeless woman. I was hopeless and um, dead inside. I was pretty much a dead girl walking. And he pulled me out of the pit. He breathed life back into me and I just want to give him glory for saving my life. I said, no, 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 I got one more. I need to call a young lady in our church by the name of Amy Carney. And I would look Amy in the face and I'd say, you, you, you tell me what you think of Jesus. I went from an abused single mother of two children suffering with PTSD to a brand new creation in Christ. I'd call somebody else. I'd diversify it and I'd call a young man. I'd call a young man by the name of Seth James and I'd say, Seth, tell me about this man, Jesus. On November 30th, 2022, I went into cardiac arrest and was dead for six minutes. But Jesus is still in the life resurrecting business and I'm here today because of him. There's a verse you've got to see, folks. The trial's not over. There's a verse you've got to see. It's in 1 John 5 and 9. Wait. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. And I'd say, wait, I've got one more person to call. One more person. I, I, I've got to call this person. He's the chief supreme court justice of the universe. He's the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, Alpha and Omega, beginning and end. I've got to call the Almighty God. I've got to call Almighty God. If the witness of God is greater than the witness of men, I've got to call Almighty God. And I've got to say to Almighty God, tell me, God. Tell me, God. What is your opinion of this man that I've been representing?
Tell me, what is your opinion of the man that's on trial? And this is what he would say. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Everybody's standing. Everybody's standing. Everybody's standing. Today, you get to be the jury. And here's the question. What are you going to do with Jesus? Because today, Jesus stands before you. But tomorrow, you may stand before Jesus. So the question is, what are you going to do with Jesus? You come up real quick, listen folks. You say, he, he wants me to become a member of his church. No, if you do, I'd love it, no. He wants my money. Keep every dime you've got. Keep every dime you've got. I want us to settle that. I want nothing you've got. Keep every dime. What I want to know is your heart right with Christ. What I want to know, are you ready to meet Jesus? Folks, these are, these are serious days. These are not days to play around. These are, these are serious days, sir. Being old doesn't make us Christians. These are serious days. You need to know that your heart's right with Christ. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Rock Springs Church. If you would like more information about Rock Springs, be sure to follow us on social media or connect with us at rockspringsonline.com. Join us right here next week for another message from Rock Springs Church.